I'd like to just talk to you a few minutes about the seven sayings of Christ on the cross as the last words He spoke on this earth uh, before He was, uh, went back to heaven. So, if you would please, I'd like to start in uh, Matthew 27, and I'll begin to read in verse 33. Matthew 27, verse 33. And when they come into a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, imparted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots, and sitting down, they watched him there, and set over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple, and built it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him, with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathia, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calls for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the voice of the, the ghost. And behold, a veil of the temple was rent in twain, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints were which slept, arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women which were there, beholding for all, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministered unto him. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for being in this place with your people, Lord, and just being able to read and study that word together. Father, I pray that we'll be a blessing to somebody tonight. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you'll notice, the, uh, as I said, the seven times Jesus spoke while he was hanging from the cross. Uh, and the reason that's important, seven, is the perfect the perfect number or the number of perfection 
and Jesus' life was perfected through His death upon the cross of Calvary. Now the word perfect in Greek comes from the word which means goal or purpose. And the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary was not the interruption of His life. It was a reaching of His goal in this life. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, each word on the cross that Jesus uttered represented a phase of His work. There are seven of these sayings of Jesus and I want to begin, if I can, with verse Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Here's the first saying in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. And then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Notice here, this first word of Christ upon the cross was the word of forgiveness. That's what he came in this world to do. And as we take note of these sayings, I want you to notice that the first and the last sayings begins with the appealing of Jesus to the Father. In both the first saying and the last saying. This tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ was dying for man's sins. But his death was permitted by the Father and was not the result of the Father's displeasure with His Son. Where there's sin, there must be death. And God the Father was and is pleased with the death of His Son on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Else we must die. The loving Father possessed the power to liberate His Son, uh, so He chose to do so. And then that tells me and you, when we suffer, Look to God and call upon the Father. Now Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood there is no remission. His forgiveness for sins was real because He was paying the full price for sins. In John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received Him to them gave He power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. So for forgiveness to become real and yours, it must be accepted by you by faith. Now, so the first word Jesus uttered from the cross was the word of forgiveness. The second word that Jesus uttered from the cross was the word of salvation. Look over at Luke chapter 23 now in verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Here Jesus did not speak to the Heavenly Father, but He spoke to an individual and a repenting thief, a sinner. In Luke 23, verse 45, Verily I say unto thee, talking to that sinner, that thief upon the cross, Today thou shalt be in paradise. This one verse says so much. Number one, it says forgiveness is not administered automatically to the whole world but only to individuals who express a desire to be remembered by the Lord. In other words, salvation is an individual thing. Jesus never refuses forgiveness even for the worst of sinners who repent. 
Then saying also show salvation not by works or good deeds or water baptism because this thief couldn't come down to do anything and so he couldn't do any good deeds. He couldn't do any good works. He couldn't come down to be baptized in a pool of water. Now this also proves salvation is instantaneous. There's no purgatory. If you notice the words here, today shall thou be with me in paradise. So have some bodies present with the Lord. So in this one saying upon the cross, uh, God refutes all these misbeliefs and teaching that people have about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third word of Christ on the cross is that of love. Jesus did not forget his mother. This is what I was getting at a few minutes ago when I said I was looking for something about a mother in the Bible that I could share with you. If you'll turn to John 19, look at verse 26. John 19 and verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now I want you to watch this. Notice he used the word woman, behold thy son. Jesus had just called God Father. And he didn't want to call Mary Mother, lest anyone would think of her deifying her, who was truly a human mother. Now that proves one thing to me. Somebody says, well, I have to pray to Mary to get to God because she's deified. She's God's mother. No, she's not. She's just another woman. And Jesus made that very plain. Mother's not the, Mary's not the mother of God, but she is the mother of the man, Christ Jesus, and God dwelling in flesh. And here, Jesus was ex- executing God's plan without neglecting his duty of human relationship. Now, we need to remember this. Doing God's will does not mean that we cannot express our human love. Amen? Did you know I can be a Christian in this world and I can stand for truth and I can stand by the Bible and I can say I love the Lord and I love God's Word, but I can still love lost sinners. I can still love other people. And I believe that that's what this is teaching you. And so we need to remember this. Doing God's will does not mean that we cannot express our human love. Now notice John 7 and verse 5. For neither did his brethren believe in him. A disciple was more trusted than a relative. You know what I believe? I got more brothers and sisters in Christ. I always uh, wanted a sister. uh, But I got three brothers. And I'm going to tell you the truth, folks, as much as I don't like to say this in one sense. But my human brothers is one thing. But my Christian brothers, I trust my Christian brothers. I really do. I, I... Somebody said, well, you can't do business with a Christian. Let me tell you something. I'd rather do business with a Christian than I had with an unsaved person. Amen? Now, a disciple was more trusted than a relative here. Uh, In John chapter 7, verse 5, neither did his brethren believe in him. So his own brethren, by the flesh, they didn't believe in him. Now, they probably weren't even there. But his disciples was. Can I say to you this? You can trust it and depend upon a true child of God then. The fourth word that Jesus uttered from the cross was the word of anguish. In Matthew 27, verse 46, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, 
This speaks of Jesus' humanity. He knew why the Father had forsaken Him at this time because of sin. God cannot, holy God cannot look upon sin. And Second Peter 2 verse 24 says, He who was sinless in His body became sin for us. When Jesus hung upon that cross, He had to sins the whole world in His body. And the Holy Father could not look upon Him hanging there on that cross. In 1 John 3 verse 5 says, And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. And so He had all our sins in His body, but no, He had never committed any sin. But God the Holy Father could not look upon Him at that time. Now the fifth word that Jesus uttered upon the cross was that of human desire. In John 19 verse 20 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now this again speaks of Jesus' humanity. Although He is God in the flesh, dying for the sins of man, He was also human, suffering as you and I today. Now I've read this and I've studied this a great deal. I am so glad that I got a mediator between me and God. I really am. The man, Christ Jesus. You know why? Jesus is, was as much man as he was God. And <coughs> Jesus, in his human flesh, uh, suffered the things that I suffer here, so he can sympathize with you and I. And so I hear people say all the time, nobody cares for me, nobody understands me. Yes, he does. Jesus can because he was all man. And he suffered the same as you suffer on this earth. He suffered thirst and he suffered hunger. The sixth word of Jesus on the cross was that of victory. In John 19, verse 30, it says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now Jesus said, My goal is revealed what I came in this world to do, and I've done it. Salvation is finished. You can't buy salvation. Jesus has already bought it. You can't earn salvation. Jesus has already earned it. All you have to do is to accept salvation by faith, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and many other verses. And the last saying of Jesus upon the cross was that of satisfaction and accomplishment. In Luke 23, verse 46, says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know, this is one of the ways that I know God was that Jesus was God. He's not just another man. No other human being can do that. Father, into my hands I commend my spirit. Jesus' life was not taken from him by anyone. He gave his life. I, I'm amazed at some preachers that I read behind and listen to on the radio and TV. And I was listening to this one one day, and he was talking about uh, that Jesus gave up his deity when he came upon this earth. No, he didn't. He was God in the flesh. But uh, he was also, he went on to talk about that uh, he was trying to explain who killed Jesus. And he went on to say the Romans killed Jesus. And then he went on, left that, and he said, well, the Jews killed Jesus. And, uh, but the truth of the matter, he came to the next thing and he said, but our sins killed Jesus and hung him on the cross. 
Now, all of those things are true in a sense, but if you study the Bible, do you know who killed Jesus on that cross? God the Father. God the Father crucified His Son upon that cross. Jesus' life was not taken from Him by any human being or any other principality of power. He voluntarily delivered His life into the Father's hands. And only God can do that. And only God can save sinners in. Notice now, these seven, seven saved start off with Father, and it ends with fathers, which tells us anyone who can truly and honestly address God as his Father finds satisfaction in his death because he knows with whom his spirit will be eternally. And the only way to address God as Father is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking to this person about praying. And I, they said, I asked them, was they saved? And they, uh, they said, no. They had not accepted Christ as their Savior. And I made this state to them. And they got mad with me. I said, you can't pray then. Not to your Heavenly Father. You have to pray to your Father, which is the devil. And if you have studied the Bible, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, only a child of God is God is their Father. And that makes us eligible then to pray to our Heavenly Father. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So the problem comes down, and the whole object of Jesus coming to this world was that he could be our Father God. In Christ Jesus, we have a mediator between God and man. Amen. And it's a wonderful thing when you read the saying of Jesus and the last things he said upon the cross and how much they carry weight uh, on every doctrine of Scripture. If you'll take each saying he said and you'll study the doctrines of salvation, he explains them to you. Amen? Glad I'm saved tonight. Aren't you? I'll, I'll let you go a little early tonight because it's Mother's Day. Amen? You know, my grandkids come over, some of them, and my daughter and some of her family and fixed dinner for us today. We had a great time. And I hope you did. And so let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you bless each one that's come tonight to hear thy word. I know what we say, Lord, doesn't matter, but what your word says means everything. So I ask you to bless the reading and studying of thy word to our hearts and minds and help us understand salvation is through Christ Jesus our Lord. And help us to understand that Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus. And she's not deity. There's only one deity, and that's Jesus Christ our Savior. Bless us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here.